Aloha, Ronnie Landis here. Welcome to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show. And I am also the founder of the Holistic Health Mastery Certification Program. And you can find more information on that at holistichealthmastery.com. Today's episode was really remarkable for a number of reasons. The amazing luminary, the amazing uh, woman that I had a conversation with that you are about to listen to, Andrea Cox, she's been a really good friend of mine for a number of years and a colleague in the, the field of health education. And just this was a really intimate and very deep conversation into her history as a fitness model and really diving deep into what that world is like, especially coming from the perspective of someone that has been on a cleansing path, a raw food path, and living in kind of two different worlds until she finally broke away from that world, more the cosmetically focused world of fitness magazines and beauty uh, you know, orientated uh, modeling and that kind of thing, and really devoted her path to inspiring people to live more harmoniously healthy and just to adopt a high plant-based, vegan-based diet. And she really touches on her passion for the vegan lifestyle, for the raw food lifestyle, for cleansing. We get into a lot of details on the benefits of doing all that, which if you've been tuning into this podcast long enough, you already really know that, but it's really refreshing to hear it from a different perspective, maybe a perspective that you haven't heard from exactly phrased the way that she does and articulate and express the way that she does. So I think this is going to leave you with a lot of insights, a lot of not just strategies, but a different shift in your perspective and also understanding some of the underlining root causes of more of what we consider to be psychological or psychiatric imbalances like bulimia, orthorexia, those kind of things like food eating disorders. And she actually attributes her, her history of bulimia to a specific nutrient deficiency, which I thought was very interesting. I never really heard anyone come at it from that angle. But then she, when she told me what nutrient it was that she was specifically deficient in, everything clicked for me. I understood immediately what was going on, and it just in, evolved into a very enriching and a very intimate conversation that takes many different directions, and I believe that you are going to enjoy it 100%. So without further ado, enjoy this conversation between me and Andrea Cox. Andrea has created and authored two books. The first, Rawlicious Recipes, is a semi-autobiography and self-help health advice book which details her trials and tribulations of living with bulimia, describing how she healed it by juicing, eating only living foods, and cleansing her body through fasting. Her second book, titled Juicing for Beauty, is a collection of her favorite juice, smoothie, and soup recipes designed to help any health-conscious individual eat more healthily and easily with less time wasted in the kitchen. Welcome to the show. 
Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, it's my pleasure. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. I'm, I've been looking forward to this conversation for some time, and you and me have known each other for quite some time, you know, paralleling on the online world and this, this health community that we're in and, and getting a chance to really link up in person a number of times at events and what have you. So, yeah, I'm just really excited. Yeah, I think we first met, where did we first meet? My God, it's been forever ago. Mm-hmm. Was it Expo? No. Uh, I the last time I remember was at. In fact, this might have been may have been the first time that we actually met was at that um, that health <laughs> conference, that cancer conference that we both spoke at. Was that the no? Conference? It was before that. It was okay. with David Wolf and right. April Sweet Mama and. Um, we all danced. Steve, Sacred Chocolate yes. Steve was there. And I was on like a 10-day fast at Optimal Health Institute. Mm. And I, I, I took some guy from there. And I, I met you guys at a big event. It was promoting, um, I think, like a hemp product or like these little e-cigarettes. I don't know what it was. Mm. But do you remember that? Absolutely. I totally remember that now. It was Yeah, it was the CBD event for that network marketing company that a lot of us were kind of like feeling out. And yeah, yeah, that was that was a good time. Yeah, that was fun. It was uh, really, really cool. Yeah, and so I've just seen you over the years, and definitely up to now, like just totally explode um, into what you're doing. Really embodying this really amazing energy of kind of like a, a, a balance of the, you know, what we would associate as the masculine, like drive more like the entrepreneurial spirit that we often associate with kind of like the masculine qualities, but you have this beautiful femininity that really, um, I think really relaxes a lot of people, makes people feel comfortable. And, uh, you know, that's something that I've tuned into what you're, you're expressing out into the world. And I just really love it. Uh, thank you. That's probably one of the nicest things anyone has ever said to me. Wow. Yeah, I just want to make sure I'm echoing a little bit. You're not getting an echo, are you? No, it's totally cool. Okay, great. Yeah, that's really sweet of you to say. No one's ever said anything like that. Thank you. Yeah, thank well, you. expect more of it then. <laughs> Aw, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so, you know, the way I'd love to start this exploration out with the, the time that we have, usually with guests like yourself, I like to I like to kind of um, unpack how each person got started on their journey because a lot of times we, we, we think we see somebody like yourself or myself or anyone else out there really leading on the front lines, and we, we sometimes think, oh man, they just have that special thing, or they were born with some kind of quality or whatever, and they don't realize that we have all gone through some kind of metamorphosis. Like it, we, we didn't start out being vibrantly healthy most of the time. We yeah. had challenges, and that's actually what caused us to do what we do. So, you know, how did you get started in this whole journey? Oh gosh, you know, my journey into really health started at about 17 years old. Um, I actually became a fitness model in my, in my really early 20s, but I started working out and getting into what I call now the false health, you know, kind of the bodybuilder thing. Mm. 
when I was about 17. Um, I just really liked the fact that I could change my physique simply by working out and eating properly. And like so many people do and did, I adopted what I would call the meathead diet, Um, you know, the gym rat type notion where, you know, I was a heavy lifter and I did cardio and I was eating a high protein diet and it was actually really damaging to me. And what happened is, you know, I developed an eating disorder called bulimia And this was in the middle of my modeling career around 22. Um, I had started out as a men's magazine model, a pinup girl, a glamour girl, we'll call it. And then I became a fitness model. So it was kind of like all of that intertwined. And most girls who suffer from eating disorders, it hits them young, teenager, preteen, etc. Although it can affect women in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. But at 22, I all of a sudden began binge eating. I was in a great relationship um, that ended up lasting 10 years, but I was in a great relationship. I had no financial issues because I was modeling. I was saving my money. I lived on my own. I, you know, everything was great. I had a cute cocker spaniel named Sam, but all of a sudden, out of the blue at 22, I started binge eating. And most people would say, oh, that's society. You know, society's putting that out there. Hmm. Well, at that time, you know, the airbrushing and things like that were not going, it wasn't going on as much. There wasn't an Instagram where every other girl looked like some type of pinup model. Uh, And what happened was I wanted to dive into why I have this eating disorder. Like it wasn't an emotional thing with me. Of course, there's always a little bit of emotional crutch there. But it, for me, it was almost like a pull to binge eat. And I found out, now I found out this years later after I got into the health movement, but I was actually low on zinc. Mm. And a zinc deficiency can really cause people to binge eat. And with me, I developed bulimia where I would try to get rid of it, either by vomiting or I abused syrup of Ipecac. That's something to force you to vomit. I um, would dive into exercise bulimia, where I would exercise four or five hours a day. It was really bad. And I was with this loving man. He couldn't help me. And it wasn't until I was, and I was still modeling at the time, 28 years old, uh, until I left that relationship, moved home to my mother's house, and literally changed my life on Valentine's Day that year, I, I was just vomiting into a toilet bowl, and I'll never forget it. I had just done a modeling job for Saks Fifth Avenue, and I came home. I ate probably enough food for three, four people because women with bulimia, men with bulimia, they'll eat upwards of 10,000 calories in a sitting. This is no joke. Wow. And yeah, very damaging. And I remember I couldn't get the vomit to come up. So the thing to do would be to drink like dairy to make it come up uh, because dairy made me sick. And um, I just couldn't, you know, do it. And so I stuck the back of a toothbrush down my throat and I'll never forget getting scared because it almost got caught in the back of my throat. And I just literally gave it up to God. Um, You know, I'm from Ohio. I'm a Christian. And I literally just looked up and I said, you know, 
if there's a God, I don't know if you live in me. I don't know if, if you live in all of us. I don't know who you are, but please help me. I need help. I can't live like this anymore. And I never vomited again. I binged still for about another year, but I've never vomited since. And I really attribute my, um, my healing to transitioning. I was starting to transition onto veganism around the age of 26. And I really, really, um, I really think I owe my life to uh, that transition. And then full-fledged, by the end of um, 28 years old, I was a full-fledged raw vegan. Uh, so that's, that's my story. What a story. Um, you know, as I hear you share this, a number of different, uh, I like to call them constellation of data points. All that really is, is like when you hear somebody share something or maybe you watch a lecture, all these aha moments start to come up in that front view of your mind and you start to see like all these constellation of ideas come together. And so for me, I'm getting a lot of those. And one of them I want to touch on which is fascinating to me, you said that a lot of the the bulimic um, or quote-unquote eating disorders that you were having was primarily due to a zinc deficiency. Yeah, um, and I remember finding that out years later that I had a zinc deficiency and just instantly going to my computer and researching it, thinking, I know there's a reason because, you know, I grew up in a in a great, fabulous home, but, you know, I was raised by a single mom, two mm. older sisters. My sisters and I kind of fought like cats and dogs, and, you know, everyone grew up in some sort of dysfunction, but there wasn't enough dysfunction that had to do with anything. There wasn't a lot of body focus. There wasn't a lot of, you know, I mean, my mom did an amazing job and there wasn't a lot of emphasis put on our bodies. So it wasn't like um, I would have been prone to it. And so I knew there was something mm. going on and I thought, what the hell? I'm going to find out what this is. And there was a correlation to binge eating. And when you're a model and you're binge eating, uh, you cannot, you have got to be a certain size. And for fitness modeling, uh, they liked you toned and tanned. For men's magazines, glamour modeling, they liked you plump and pale. And I had to fit that mold differently on each week. So there was a little bit of a role playing in with the modeling because I had to go back and forth with having a little weight on to not having any weight on to having no weight on at all. And so there was a lot of emphasis put on me. And I was the girl who got the guy to buy the magazine. I was the one they would put on the front. So there was a lot of emphasis. And, um, but the, the main point was the zinc deficiency. And I truly don't think that if I, I would have had my zinc in check, my minerals in check, that I would have developed it. Because it was almost a, well, it was, it was a, there was a desire to not stop eating, a stuffing down. And, you know, years later, I went to cognitive, I had cognitive behavioral therapy with a therapist for like two years. And there was some stuff that came up. But even she said, you know, you're not the classic case of, you know, X, Y, and Z. So mm -hmm. 
So there was, there was some issues and there's a lot of things that go into eating disorders. You know, a lot of young women that have eating disorders were, you know, molested when they were younger. A lot were, there's a lot of, um, classic characteristics. And of course, not everyone fits that mold, but I truly think the zinc played about 65% in, in my role. And that was from not eating well. That was from eating, you know, I thought I was eating well, you know, chicken salads and egg white omelets. I was completely depleting my body of biotin with the egg white omelets because egg whites deplete the body of biotin. And, you know, I just wanted to feel better. You know, I had always taken care of myself. I moved out when I was 17. I was like, God, I just want to be healthy and feel good. I know I shouldn't be 25 years old feeling like shit, you know, and, and also there was, um, uh, there was, I met a girl that was a vegan that was, gosh, she had to have been 45. And, um, and this is when I was about 23 and she was a model and she looked so beautiful. She looked like she was my age and I thought, Oh my God, I want what she has. And so Mm. Um, that was a little bit of an inspiration. And then the second I first tried like vegan food, it was like my aha moment. But I actually went vegan overnight and I did it the wrong way. I went raw vegan and stayed raw vegan for the whole nine years. And then just this last, this past year, um, I started eating a little bit of cooked food. Uh, but yeah. That's that's pretty much it. Well, yeah, that's so so interesting. I mean, specifically to me as a nutrition focused person, um, I don't want to like push that button too much, but I just really think it's an interesting idea, nonetheless. That a lot of these these uh, these body and diet related issues, um, these imbalances, like um, I, I notice like orthorexia which is the clinical term for quote-unquote food obsession. Um, and that usually by the conventional, the conventional um, paradigm is, 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 you know, directed towards, you know, people that do raw food or even vegan vegetarianism. We often get labeled as orthorexic, but the real definition of orthorexia it has nothing to do with your actual lifestyle. It has to do with the psychological state that somebody is in when they're way too imbalanced psychologically where it becomes, you know, no matter how good you eat or or people tend to minimize all their food down to a few very, you know, a few very um, chosen food options where, like you're alluding to with the, the egg whites, you start to deplete yourself over time. Um, so the point I'm making or trying to drive through is that I've always thought that a lot of these issues that we tend to think of as like psychiatric issues or or personality issues, self-esteem issues, um, yes, for sure, we definitely need to place emphasis on the the, the um, self cultivation of one's own you know life and their happiness and all that kind of thing. But also, these imbalances can also be driven by deficiencies or or you know toxicity. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I had a lot of that, too. You know, I mean, I was the 
absolute queen of, you know, I was modeling. So I was into cosmetics. I worked as a fragrance model for a Japanese company for four of those years, modeling for them. So I was having that perfume sprayed on me and spraying it on, on others all the time. And so, you know, and I was brought up in a household of, you know, beautiful women who loved makeup and, you know, two of them worked at a makeup counter. So I was putting on toxins on my body, on my face, in my hair for years. And only when I stopped did my hair gush out of my head down to my ass and everything else. I mean, it's amazing to me how people that that is the last thing to grasp is what we put on our body and what we put on our skin. And it's so very important. I remember modeling at Saks Fifth Avenue and there's a cream there. I shouldn't say the name, but uh, it's four syllables and it's three words. And I'll just li- leave it at that. It's creme de blank blank. I won't say the last two words. And it's a thousand dollars. For like three ounces of this cream, okay? And women would flock to buy this cream. So years later, after I became a raw vegan and, and got into natural hygiene and all of that, uh, I went back and looked online at the ingredients. It's probably one of the most toxic creams out there. And it's amazing that people actually pay for bullshit. And that's what I always say when I, when I'm, you know, running one of my retreats or or during my digital detox, when I put that out there, when I was recording the audio, I said, you know, what we put on our body goes into our bloodstream within 15 minutes. And so like, it's not just what we're eating. It's what we're inhaling. It's what's being sprayed on us. And that's a whole nother, you know, show. It's, um, it's what we put on our body, what we choose to wash our hair with. I mean, I can't think of the last time I washed my hair with shampoo, Mm -hmm. probably five or six years ago. Such a, such a great point. And one that doesn't get emphasized enough for, for how much people are really flocking, as you said, to all these quote unquote designer beauty products and these cosmetics. It's interesting to me, as you say this, I'm thinking about just kind of how sad it it feels that we have an industry that is so hypnotically manipulating where people just, they don't even question it. They It's almost like if something is marketed towards the, the insecurities and um, picking at the self-esteem of people, women in this case most dominantly, and then they, they charge a huge amount of money, like I think of pharmaceuticals as well, they charge a huge amount of money with all these false promises, people are like in a hypnotic spell and they just flock towards it. Yeah, it's so sad. And you know, Ronnie, I, um, I chose to quit modeling for that reason. I occasionally will take a job here and there just for fun or if it's something I'm drawn to. I, I did a Brazilian um, athletic wear line a week ago, like if it's something I'm drawn to, Mm -hmm. I'll do it. But I really stopped modeling at at like the perfect age Mm -hmm. to model because of that. Once I, I like to say became conscious, I was like, Oh God, no, I'm not going to promote any of this. Are you kidding? I'm not going to push this. I'm not going to push that. I'm not going to Um, it felt false for me to be in fitness magazines. Um, you know, when I quit modeling the, the, the week, the month I quit modeling, 
I was on the cover of Muscular Development Magazine. It's still out today, and I had one of the largest spreads in there. And I'll never forget, I was just like, God, I can't do this. It's false advertising. I'm not eating protein anymore. I'm a vegan now. You know, I'm going, (laughs) I've been, I've been, you know, so it was just like, this isn't serving me anymore. And it, it makes me feel sad. You know, I mean, even, you know, describing it to my family, describing it to my friends, you know, people really buy into the hype and they'll use a beautiful model that probably doesn't even use the skincare products. Right. And they just promote the, you know, the crap out of it. And there it is. Right. Thanks for making that point, too, that a lot of these um, athletes or entertainers or models, the probability is that they don't actually use those products, but they are, you know, it's, it's a career choice. It's a marketing and financial decision oftentimes. So they just fit it in and do it. And, and you, you could go, you could probably explain this a little more. I just want to point out when I was studying the marketing of like, um, you know, sports drinks coming from a sports background and and wanting to be a professional athlete at one point, I realized that um, athletes are under a certain contract. So like with like some of these these sodas or whatever the deal is, they actually have a contract where they can't criticize. They can't obviously. Right. Um, They can't say anything negative. Um, or, or maybe promote something else, um, uh, you know, while they're under contract. Yeah, yeah. You really can't say anything. Um, if you're hired to do a job for a specific line, you can't promote any other line. It's a conflict of interest. And you really cannot say anything negative about the line you're working for long after you stop modeling for them. Like if I would have... I mean, we're talking like long after, I like, see, yeah. you know, a couple of years. And mm-hmm. um, even now, I probably should keep my mouth shut about certain things, and I don't. Um, <laughs> so it's it's really, yeah, I think everybody's scared because they think I'm mean or I'm going to, you know. But it's really, it's really a sad thing because, um, you know, people are so influenced by the media. And they're just really following what they know, you know, the got milk ads, the, you know, skincare ads, you know, slather these chemicals, where if they would actually list what is in there in the commercials, I mean, the commercials would go on for three hours. I mean, if you can't pronounce something on a bottle, don't use it, don't wear it, don't drink it, don't eat it. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Mm, Yeah, I want to, I want to go back to one of the things you brought up earlier is, um, about the vegan lifestyle, I want to really kind of focus in on that. You mentioned that you, in the beginning, you had done it what you termed to be wrong, and obviously you're doing, you're living an amazing lifestyle, and you're obviously radiantly healthy. Um, so, you know, for the benefit of everyone, what exactly do you mean by you doing it wrong? Oh, goodness. It, it took me a long time uh-huh. to get it right. Yeah. Uh, so... I actually started reading, and I had gotten one woman's book, and I won't say her name. Um, Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Okay, great. And I flew to New York uh, to meet, you know, this 
this author. And anyway, long story short, I ended up flying there meeting her colon hydrotherapist. And he's absolutely famous. I mean, he's a very humble man. So you don't see his name very often. But he really knew his stuff. And I got a colonic by him. And I had already been getting colonics. I'm a huge proponent of colon cleansing. Huge. I'm not a colon hydrotherapist, but they all love me and they all should for good reason. I'm their biggest cheerleader. Mm. And I honestly think colonics saved my life. Well, anyway, I meet this guy, and he taught me everything. He taught me the proper way to eat, what foods paired well with what, and basically the order of food, the order food should go in. And it really saved my life because, as you know, when you go raw vegan, the digestion Mm. really kicks in overdrive, and... I was a gas factory for you know, <laughs> a good year. I, I just, I like screamed gas. Like I don't even think people wanted to be around me. And then the putrefaction of just toxins coming out of your sweat, your yeah. pores, your, you know, the, it's just, it's gnarly. I mean, for the first year, you know, I mean, unless you go, you know, become a raw vegan or a vegan at 12, you're going to you're going to be putting out some pretty gnarly matter, nasty matter. Mm-hmm. And um so, you know, it, I was really detoxing. And then what happened is I got really thin. And you you know what I'm talking about. I know and, exactly what you're talking about actually. Yeah, and here's the problem with that. It's perfectly fine when that happens. But to society, it's not mm. okay. Okay. To your parents, it's not okay. To your siblings, they think you're dying. To your friends, they walk away from you. To society, it's not okay. Oh my God, she has a she has an eating disorder. Look at her. She's 90 pounds and she's five foot ten. Jesus, she's a twig. She's no. It was the first time in my life I didn't actually have an eating disorder. The very first time. And everyone, and when I say everyone, Everyone but my mom came down on me. Everyone but my mother. She's the only one that did not rip me apart. Probably because she knows me so well. And she probably knew that for the first time, I was just trying to find my path. Or I don't know. I mean, I still to this day was like, wow, my mom didn't go off on me. I mean, I had one sister that wrote me a 15-page letter that I still attribute to saving my life a bit because... Quite honestly, I was down to, I got down to 94 pounds and I'm very close to five foot 11. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was very, very hard to look at for everyone. But what I'd like to tell anyone out there that's going through that is if you are doing things right. And when I say doing things right, I mean, you're eating and you're juicing and you're eating huge ass salads with avocado and you're drinking big vegetable juices and you're, you know, you're doing tonic herbs and you're, you know, eating fresh fruit right off the vine, falling off the tree and you're drinking, you know, if you're doing everything right and you're cleaning your colon and that happens, stay the path, stay on the course you are. Because what I did is I screwed with it then. And I got in after not really having dairy any time in my life other than to make myself sick as a bulimic, I brought in raw, unpasteurized dairy. And I brought in, um, you know, 
uh, bone broth and eggs and, you know, which is debatable. You know, some people, I mean, there are medicinal properties to bone broth. I won't go into that, but I brought in all this food, you know, on a healthier scale, but this animal food that doesn't, didn't resonate with me mm-hmm. at all. And it didn't resonate with my being at all. Um, I'm an A blood type. I, my lineage, everything in my path is be vegan, be vegan, be vegan. Mm -hmm. It's my blood. Mm -hmm. I do not feel well when I do any animal products now, not even bone broth. And for probably two years, I did bone broth because I thought it was, you know, good for my skin, et cetera. But um, at any rate, yeah, so I didn't stay the course. I brought in all these animal foods and I got sick. I gained a lot of weight back um, really quick. I felt miserable. I felt depressed. And then I moved, I finally moved to California, thank God, and got the hell out of Ohio where I was like able to live and breathe. And I wasn't a weirdo to everyone, you know, because (laughs) (laughs) really, no, I really say like, well, Moving to Southern California saved my life a little bit too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when, when I went, when, I, you know, I had one sister that wrote me a 15 page letter and I still am thankful for that. I had another sister that went off on me telling me I was sick and I was going to die and what the hell's wrong with me and why am I doing this to my mother? And, and then there was my mom and she didn't, she didn't judge me. She would talk to me. I had a lot of food conversations with her because I was confused. I didn't know what direction to go. And, you know, you have to remember, I was living by myself. This went on for like seven years in Ohio. I was living in a big house by myself at this time and just going through the notions. And so I had this one raw detox book. And then I had Alyssa Cohen's book. And that's what I used. And I had, I think, rock and radio to listen to. And that was it. And I just stayed the course. Dead of winter, three feet of snow on the ground, blizzard, and I'm raw vegan in my house with a snowblower. (laughs) It's so funny. I could totally relate to so much of that. And God bless your mother's heart for um, having enough trust in you that you were exploring something that was calling your heart and that she did not... Um, out of her good heart, because I know how it is, you know, I was raised by a single mom and also my grandmother, so I totally understand the concerns that come up maternally where, you know, you have a concern, you know, gen- you know, it's a valid concern for sure, right? But, um, but not to impose their own judgments or maybe you're changing. This is a very good point I want to, I want to, um, elaborate with you on is that one of the things I I gave a lecture like a year and a half ago in LA at a bookstore and I have a clip on YouTube and I was watching it a little while ago I was like wow what an what a what a true phenomenon is that whenever we're trying to change our life we're making what would be considered a radical departure from who we were in other people's eyes especially our family members we we have this like almost naive sometimes notion that like wow they're totally going to support me like they they love me they're going to be so happy I'm pursuing my dreams and it's like well there is a little bit of that hiccup phase though because now you're changing yourself you're changing yourself in relation to how they are comfortable um uh you know being around you so it kind of forces this thing within other people 
to either change, not necessarily change themselves, but to change their perception that they're comfortable with you on. And a lot of times our family, as you're sharing, um, can be our hardest critics. So I think it's really beautiful that your mother chose not to do that. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think it was because now that I think back that it was probably the first time she actually really saw me eating in a long time. Mm. And I, I think that that probably had a lot to do with it. She would come over at dinner. I think she felt sorry for me because I just, like, literally, I was celibate and single for seven years, living in a big house in Ohio, Ooh. doing my raw vegan thing. <laughs> and I think she felt... um sorry for me um and would come over occasionally and she would see me eating huge amounts of food for the first time so i think that's what actually happened and yeah i i really am grateful to her and my whole family because then i mean just 2 years after that like i would take my big salad to thanksgiving and they all were awesome so it was like a whole like acceptance thing yeah. and that's that's difficult I think for people, because, you know, when you are changing, people don't like change and they especially don't like, um, you know, your family's always, well, hopefully your family is going to be like mine and always embrace you. But, um, as far as friends go, you know, people don't like when you try to better yourself, it scares them right. because not everybody wants to try to better themselves. Right. And for me, a big game changer was spiritually, I began water fasting. And I don't recommend this to everyone. You know, I've done 21 days is the longest I've done. And I did that assisted uh, at a place in Santa Rosa. Uh, but I've done, I started water fasting two days a week. I would, I would do it on Sundays and go and stock my grocery and go to the farmer's markets. And then I would do it also on Mondays and I would take a day of silence as well. And I wouldn't talk to anyone. And I'd have a little sign with me that said, taking a day of silence. Thank you for respecting me. If someone tried to talk to me at like a checkout line or something. Wow. And that was extremely powerful for me because all this stuff I had done as a model, you know, I mean, I'm just going to say, you know, my, my breast having a breast augmentation and all this emphasis on the outside at such a, a young age, you know, to be perfect. All of this, it, it became obsolete. It wasn't important anymore. I didn't give a shit. I was like, oh, okay. And so I'm pretty and I'm going to get hit on all the time and big deal. And it almost became like I wanted the polar opposite to happen. Like, um, God, why did I do this? You know, I shamed myself for the breast augmentation for years. And I, for years I've debated going under the knife again to get them removed. But to be honest with you, weighing that it's, it's almost the same trauma to the body to be on antibiotics, mm -hmm. to be cut open, to be, you know, and, um, yeah, so that was a big, a big change for me. The water fasting really brought up all my emotional stuff. Yeah, this is a really great thing to bring to the forefront is I'm a very big proponent of strategic fasting and just fasting as a principle because I really was influenced by the Ann Wigmore, Victoria Skolzvinskis, um, 
even some of the natural hygiene principles in Gabriel Cousins. And so, you know, that that level of what we might call like old school raw food healing, that was really the foundation that I actually was created from or my, my perspective was created out of was always that basic principle of when you're in doubt, abstain. Don't, oh, yeah. don't just pour things into you because you're, you're emotional or you're, you're ungrounded. It's like, no, to actually go back to yourself first, ground yourself before you start making these emotional choices to put something down your throat. It's so hard though for so many people. So many people are, are toxic. And I agree with you. One of the things that I'll, I'll just say my teacher taught me um, is uh, it's not what you put into the diet. It's what you yes. leave out. Right. Not what you put in, but what you leave out. And his name's Gil. He's the colon hydrotherapist in New York. And I'm telling you, I call him my teacher, and I, I met him once. That he, he's that he's that foundational. So it's what you leave out of the diet that counts, not what you add in. You've got all these people adding supplements and all this stuff. And supplement addiction was a real problem for me for a really long time, a very long time. Long after I went vegan did I go through that where I had to get rid of supplements. That was difficult too. And I think a lot of people deal with that and that's not talked about where they're buying vitamin C, magnesium, they've got... They've got um, this pill, that pill, a, a caffeine pill. They've got all the, all these pills and potions. And when you get down to it and you really clean out on a cellular level, it's all about water. It's all about just getting back, not even to the juice, to the water. And it's really hard when people are toxic to let go of food. It's hard to skip a meal. You know, I run um, detox retreats uh, here in Mexico and also in um, San Diego, and we're bringing them to your area, too. And it's funny, you know, I've had people come to me with cancer. Probably 70% of my clients have cancer now. And they'll, they're willing to do anything. And then I have people that come to me that go crazy when you want to tell them, you know what, you're just going to fast until dinner. You're going to have a dinner. We're just going to, you're going to juice it to di till dinner. I'm not even taking your juice away. People don't like when you take their food away. Why? <laughs> because it suppresses. Yes. It works as a drug. Food is a drug. You know, I'm not telling people not to eat. I God, I just had a huge, beautiful, vegan, raw meal before we started this. It's when you're not hungry don't eat. One of the worst things people do is wake up and immediately go to the kitchen and start mm -hmm. eating. Why? The liver's still cleansing. Why? Why stuff it down? Just my opinion. No, you're no, that's that's a that's a biological physiological fact and and your opinion is based on your observation, your your experience of your life and also what you're seeing working with people that are so far down the rabbit hole. You know, it's funny because most of the private clients that I work with, and I don't work with a lot anymore, but the ones that I work with, I would say like, you know, at least 60 to 70 percent of them have cancer. And it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing that I've realized about that, that disease in general. And, it, and it, there's all kinds of different cancers, but really like 
on the psychological and emotional level, what I continue to realize about people that I'm having these conversations with is that and within a, a an hour conversation or hour and a half conversation, probably 75% of the conversation is focused on their them as a human being, their desires, their goals, their suppressed traumas, um, these things that really like a, a counselor or a, um, a, a competent psychologist would work with people on. I just go straight there and let it evolve as much as I will. And then sometimes we're having a conversation. I'm like, then they're like, Oh, yeah, what should I eat? I'm like, oh, geez, yeah, like, okay, I take like 10 minutes because it's so easy for me. That part of it's so easy for me that like now I'm more interested in like, okay, look, the food is fuel, but if you're, what are you fueling? Like, are you fueling your passion for life? Do you have a goal? Do you have a vision? What do you want to do with your life? Because that food will help fuel you. But what I've noticed with people in the health culture is that if they're psychologically and emotionally out of balance and they don't have an inspiring vision for their life, that fuel can turn into like neuroticism and, and, and dogma a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. It, people focus so much on the food and it's not about the food. It's literally about finding the rhythm of getting in touch with yourself. And I'll tell you, I can still struggle with that. Mm -hmm. You know, it really, if you're, how can I say this? If you've got, I've had to really distance myself from stressful situations mm -hmm. and stressful people and tell myself that everything happens for a reason and not to get pissed off, not to get upset, not to let it jolt me. Why? Because I'll stop tuning into my body for days. Oh, wow. I'll let wow. it control me. I'll be like, you know, like... Two days later, like, oh, my God, why did she hit my car? Lord, Jesus, you know, and all of a sudden I've got 10 extra pounds on and I'm, you know, eating at 10 o'clock at night and I have no idea what's going on. It's because the mind is the center of everything. I feel like the gut and yes. the mind, they're directly related. There's more serotonin that runs in the gut than there is in the brain. Yeah. And that's why when we allow situations to rule our life, we don't tune into our body and that's where we get mess messed up. You see it all the time. People in the corporate world, they're doing great, they're fit, they're going to the gym, they look fabulous, and then all of a sudden something happens, they lose money in the market, they get a divorce, and they've got, they've got you know, 100 pounds on, like the next year. It's like that. It's stress. Don't allow it to control your life. You've got to, you've got to seclude yourself, exclude yourself, get away, walk away, step away, move away, whatever. Anyone who brings a stressful situation into my life, they're cut out quicker than I can cut a raw vegan brownie. Seriously. That, yeah, yeah. Woo. I'm getting excited about that because I, I think we're on that similar resonance there is that I'm to the point where if somebody writes a comment on my on a post I make now I'm not into filtering anything. If I put something out publicly then I need to be able to accept whatever comes but um if someone says something irrational that's not related to the post, the quote, the video, whatever and it, and I can tell I can pierce through people very quickly now. I can pierce through their the the egoic 
um, like drives that people have. So if yeah. it's something that's defensive or, or it's just not, um, it's just something that's negative. I will, I will, um, I will, sometimes I've actually had to just right there on the spot, look that person up, unfriend them, unfriend that like, it's gotten yeah. to that point because, and it's not that I'm adverse to, to criticism. It's because the energy coming, like this person never likes my stuff. But as soon as I posted something that their religious thing came up or whatever that triggered them, now they're jumping on. I'm like, no, you're actually not my friend. So why are you on my Facebook? Why are you taking space for a, for some kind of superhero out there who wants to be my friend? It's like that. It's I'm taking that same thing you just said into all the areas of my life. Obviously, we're going to have to learn how to adapt to conflict. Um, you know, if we have a we have a a, a strong debate or a emotionally charged, um, you know, even argument with a loved one, somebody that we really care about, then we have to have enough strength and, and, and um, grounding to go through that process because that can be very healing to get all that stuff out. But as soon as it starts going the other way and it becomes just stressful, it's not it's not solution orientated. I have to cut that immediately because my mission on the planet is so clear and there's a lot of people that I can help, um, whereas my energy is being siphoned by this negative entity. And, I, you know, it's like you just said, it's like you just got to cut that out the seam. Oh, my God. I've done that so many times. I bet you have. Yeah, and it's it's especially true in like our personal relationships. If you're not jiving with someone, time to go. I mean, everything has it took me a long time to learn this, but everything has its expiration date. Ooh. Okay, including relationships. Ooh. And outside of our family, because let's face it, we want to keep our family, you know, with us and in our heart because they're our blood. But outside of that, you know, it's good to find a soul family too that, you know, you connect with on an energetic level, but everything has an expiration date. And if you're in, for example, a relationship and it's not jiving and it's been, say, two or three months and it's still not jiving and you've put in a 100% effort and you really care about the person, you're doing not only them an injustice, but you're doing yourself an injustice by not being authentic and walking away and saying, hey, love you, and I'm going to continue to send you love from afar. Mm. Um, Because, you know, it just sucks the energy out of us. And like I say, being a, you know, a woman, I know, I know that a lot of women, and I don't want to sound discriminating against men when I say this, we really emotionally eat. I mean, a lot of men do too, but, but us women, we really, when our heart is not connecting to that male energy and our heart is not. Mm. And, and even, you know, a few of my friends in the, in the lesbian community, when they're not in a relationship with another woman, but when our energy is not being husband, I like, I like to call it, Mm. we are erratic with our eating. We can be, a lot of us can be, we either don't eat or we eat too much. And, you know, I, I will say for a fact, you know, I know when I'm in a loving, good relationship, my body just kicks ass. It just thrives. Right. I just go, yeah, I like going, I like lose, I'm like looking good. I'm eating whatever I want. I'm working out. 
Um, and in the past when I've, you know, I've had to really check in with myself, all these things would go wrong when I would end a relationship, all of a sudden, you know, I'd have 20 pounds on, I wouldn't be feeling as vibrant and healthy. Women need their energy husband and, and, and women's energy is up, down, all around to where men's energy is a little more stable Mm -hmm. and women are going to hate when I say that, but it's absolutely true. It's a fact. It's, it's part of it. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a lot of estrogen, you know, in our moods and and all of that. And and there's ways to stabilize that. But, you know, keeping a a positive, you know, male figure around really has its benefits. But never when it's a negative relationship do you want to ever hold that that energy. Right. Yeah, that's, I mean, geez, there's so much coming up that I would love to just go full on into that. But, um really beautiful. I, I want to like put a pause on that to acknowledge that that part of our conversation is that that's so important. And I really appreciate your your very um, clear and also very matured um, perspective on that. I think a lot of people are going to really um, resonate with that as I am. Thank you. And uh, yeah, so you know, with the with the amount of time we have left, I would really love if we could discuss some more of the, the actual details, and it doesn't have to be like to the T, but just the basic principles that you you navigate your day-to-day life from. I like to say it that way because, um, you know, before I got onto this call, I was thinking to myself, um, I'm shifting so quickly as a human being. And you know the phrase, like, you need something different. You need different things at different times. I had this thought to myself, I'm, I'm preparing for a lecture on Saturday, so I, I, I was thinking to myself about what I want to talk about, and I was like, I'm shifting so quickly that I need different things at different times in a single day, right? Not just different seasons of my life. I mean, like from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. It's like I can be a different version of myself. So, um, you know, anyways, without going into that, I, I, I'm just curious – I'm sure a lot of other people are, is like, how do you navigate your day? And also, what are some of the details that, you know, of your your diet and your lifestyle from like the start of your day all the way to the finish? You know, I'm an avid juicer. I believe in juice. And I be- I, I'll never stop juicing. Yes. And I, I do believe a lot of people think it's, you know, fractionized, whatever. Um, can I, uh, can I just add this real quick to that, yeah. just to make that point that you're that you're sharing. Uh-huh. I one thing I've noticed in the health industry um is that the people who don't do something tend to oppose it. So people that don't juice bastardize juicing. People that don't have experience with fasting, foo foo fasting. Mhm. Absolutely. But I'll tell you what, when they get sick, uh- <laughs> they're, they're, they're juicing and fasting. So and I've gotten phone calls from those people. So yeah. It's, it's amazing, you know, and, um, I do, I do eat fruit for myself. Um, I find that at this time in my life, uh, and from being a high protein person for so many years as a fitness model, um, and avoiding fruit, and it was on my bad food list that I find joy in eating very fresh, straight from the farmer's market or straight off one of my trees, fruit to my mouth. Um, I am big into simple eating and I will eat a little cooked food. And I noticed 
that changed a year ago with me and it, it seldom happens. It's not an everyday thing, but you know, it, it's really only like, uh, maybe some, uh, steamed or baked sweet potatoes or something like that. And I find that if I feel a little off and I need grounding and I've been to the beach barefoot and I've, I've taken, you know, a day or two away from social media and I'm still not grounded, I, I definitely will add some cooked food. I find that it helps me more than like sprouted nuts or seeds. Yeah. I'm not into a lot of nuts. Um, you know, you know why. And, um, and I just, I really think, um, tonics, uh, tonic herbs are, are big for me. I'm into ginseng, astragalus, hoshu wu, pearl powder, added to gynostema based mm. tonics. I'm really into thyme tea. Tea made from just taking the herb thyme, which I'm growing here at my house, thyme and rosemary, and um, pouring hot water over it. It's very, very high in iron, and it's very good for me when I'm on my moon cycle. So mm. I'm really, that's probably the best tip for women is to, you know, invest in a little herb garden, start an herb garden, clip some rosemary. Um, rosemary's great even to smell for memory and, and time and, and, you know, heat some water or sun brew it out in the sun. Um, and, and I'm into sweating. I've always had an infrared sauna. So yoga and my infrared sauna are my two best friends other than my dog. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, so, you know, what came up for me, too, to point out, and I know there's a lot of women listening to this, and you'll probably be interested in this. You know the, the those estrogen removal products like DIM and ICC yeah. and calcium deglucrate, all those things that have become pretty popular? Yeah. Um, well, the DIM and the I3C, oh, and the calcium deglucrate, funny enough, those are like the main things that help to um, transport like plasticized and fake estrogens in the body and the liver. Well, those those um, supplements are concentrated out of broccoli most of the time. Mm-hmm. And that's why I actually started um, – that's pretty much what I was going to ask you. What cooked foods do you like? Because – that tends to be like a lot of our like people that are vegan and vegetarian. We tend to gravitate towards those cooked foods when we're on a high raw food diet. It's usually not like lasagna or pizza or some nonsense. It's like those things. And I kind of keyed in on the intuitive nudge there is that that's pretty much what we're kind of going for because our body becomes so intelligent and so refined that it kind of picks out what it wants so it's like i i really appreciate that now because i'm not like a full-on i'm a raw food enthusiast but i'm not like a like militant raw foodist because i know these different things and like the sweet potatoes and the yams or progesterogenic and all that cool stuff but i just i just kind of like want to put a magnifying glass on that because i think that's really good advice there, there are like three things that I will eat cooked, and the main one being sweet potatoes. I, I, um, I just find, you know, I didn't have a menstrual cycle for seven years when I was too lean, even after I went raw vegan. And I, I you said they're progenic, proestrogenic. Um, so no, no, I'll, I mean, I'll bake a few sweet um, potatoes. They're, they're pro progesterogenic, so um, they're pro progesterone. Oh, that 
That's interesting. Maybe that's what I need. And maybe that's why. Yeah. So because I find I only need like four to six hours of sleep a night, which is not good, but it's, I really thrive like that. I'll get up and run and do yoga and feel great. Um, but that could be, I need a little progesterone. Um, and I, I'll occasionally steam a head of cauliflower and just like eat an entire head of cauliflower after a big avocado salad. Um, I love uh, cauliflower, which is cruciferous, as you know. And um, I would say the only other thing that I prefer cooked would be occasionally, and I love to juice beets, but I think beets are stellar yes. for the palate. And I love steamed beets. So, you know, if I cook any of those three, I don't add any oil. I'm not really into overt fats. I'll eat a coconut, I'll eat, you know, a durian, I'll eat an avocado, but I'm not into, you know, avocado oil or I've never even really been into olive oil or coconut oil. Everybody's into coconut oil. I'd rather eat a coconut. Um, and that's just me. I've mm -hmm. never been an overt fat eater. I think it causes cellulite on women's body. I really, truly do. I, I really like to stick to real, real food. Um, but that's, basically it i like fruit i love my juice i love you know big salads that's my next book sexy and salads i'm loving nice. big salads always have mm, wow that's great yeah that's really fantastic um and that's really sound advice just like to focus most of your attention on real whole foods yeah and you know and throwing in something good at the end of every meal i don't stay away from chocolate i'm you know I mean, I make amazing, you know, vegan raw carob cookies, and then I make amazing, you know, chocolate chunk vegan cookies. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think as women, we need a little sweet in our life, and there's nothing wrong with having a vegan gluten-free or a raw vegan cookie, you know, once a week after a meal, twice a week after a meal. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's... You know, if we're so incredibly rigid, we're going to crack. Yeah. And that's not, you know, that's not fun either. So. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Well, it looks like we're right at that mark. So, you know, so much great value was delivered in this conversation. So where can everybody immediately um, either connect with you, find out about your work. Maybe they want to inquire about booking a consultation with you. Yeah, well, it's great. My websites are up now, but they are being redone too. So that's exciting. So within 30 days, um, everyone can go to andreacox.com. Uh, right now, you can go to andreacox.com. It'll redirect you to my site, thehealthyhaven.net. And my retreat site is alkalizewithandrea.com. And Facebook, I love my Facebook people. Um, I'm there under Andrea Lee, L-E-I-G-H, Cox, C-O-X. Also on Snapchat, Andrea Lee Cox. And on Twitter and Instagram, whoo, it's a lot, uh, <laughs> Raw Chef Andrea and YouTube. I put out at least three videos a week. Um, we're up to 13,000 subscribers on my YouTube. It's Andrea Cox TV. Wow. Super cool. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show. 
Thank you. You're amazing. Mm, thank you. Yay. All right. Well, everyone listening out there, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, check this, this conversation out. And I sincerely hope that you pulled out nuggets of wisdom and different little tips and tricks that you can start applying to your life, new perspectives, how you can live your life and start moving in the direction of your dreams. So with that said, thank you so much for tuning in and we will... See you guys next time. Aloha.